Would you like to join me in prayer before we hear God's word? Let's pray together. Our loving and most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your living message to us that it challenges, courages, cuts right through to bone and sinew. It gives us life. We pray now that you would open our hearts by your spirit to receive what you want us to hear from you as we look at your word now. May it change us, make it more like you, make us more like you, and empower us to go out and live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So picking up Colossians chapter 4, starting at verse 7 and then right through to the end of the chapter. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus who is called Justus, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it also is read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning. I had my welcome. Um, my name's Duncan, one of the pastors here at Trinity Church, Victor Harbour. Great to meet you afterwards if I haven't met you, uh, especially if you're visiting here um, uh, on holidays or whatever. We uh, love having visitors among us. 
Um, but uh, we do have a really interesting passage to get into today. Uh, but it is, as we've mentioned, as everyone knows, it is grand final weekend. Uh, and for two sports, don't forget the NRL, please. Uh, and, um, and it's also school holidays, so there's, we've got kids in, and in the holidays we like to do something a little bit uh, kid-friendly um, during the service. So uh, what I thought we'd do is we'd have our own competition, okay? So everyone needs to help out with this. Uh, now, down the front, there are four balloons, okay? There's four balloons for each section of the church, okay? So what we're going to do is each section, you're a team, uh, and you have to try and what we're going to do is you're only allowed to touch the balloon like hit it You can't carry it so kids don't run it up the first section to get their balloon right to the back wins Okay, so right to the back. All right the the, the very last row. All right, so how are we going? Uh, we get, let, let's get ready to go So if someone wants to grab the balloon and when I say go Hit it back, and let's see if we can work together to get those balloons to the back, and we'll see if we've got a winner. Okay, on your marks, get set, go! Oh, come on, oh, 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 pink's looking good. Oh, 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 oh no! <laughs> oh, I think we've got a winner! <laughs> hey, flew over there. Uh, <laughs> well done, blue team. The pink team started well, but I think got waylaid by... <laughs> <laughs> by Warren, I think it was. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, well, what's that got to do with our passage today? A, a team, uh, we, um, John mentioned this before, a team working together is really a beautiful thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and we've seen that by that team, which shall not be named, yesterday. Um, I'm hoping the other Brisbane team gets up tonight. Um, but uh, it's a beautiful thing when it, it can be a joyful and effective thing when a group of people work together for something. Uh, we've come to the, other, uh, to the end of this letter to the church in, Colossian, in Colossae. And uh, as John's already mentioned, I hope if you've been along, you will have seen something of just the majesty of this letter. We've been really taken to the heights of God's plan for his whole creation um, if you're just dropping in today as a visitor, um, you've, you've come at the end of this magnificent time in the book of Colossians, really encourage you to read the whole thing. Uh, but then you get to this ending of this letter. And I reckon with these endings, it's pretty easy just to kind of let your eyes glaze over a little bit if you're reading through the letters of the New Testament. Uh, you've got all these hard-to-pronounce names. Brilliant work, Chris. Uh, and... and it, so, but what's going on here? Is this just a kind of random tack-on to the end of the letter that why would we spend a whole week at church thinking about a 2,000-year-old sort of postcard greetings? Is, you know, is that what's going on? Why would we do that? Well, friends, if we skip over this, we're going to miss something that's actually really important to this letter. Uh, it can be easy to read letters like this and kind of appreciate it but keep it at a bit of a distance. Um, to hear these big themes about Christ and the world and all things being brought under his lordship, and, but kind of just to leave them as nice, inspiring ideas, maybe that other people take really seriously. The great gift of this ending to Paul's letter is it reminds us that these, these great realities that we've been looking at all term, they don't stay up in the air as just nice ideas. They bring real transformation to real people in real everyday situations. 
to real everyday people just like you and me. Uh, We've seen that actually all the way through this letter. We've seen the way the gospel transforms our lives as individuals, uh, as a church family, in our homes, in our workplaces. But what this passage does is it kind of expands our vision out even more. Um, It shows us how the gospel sweeps God's people up into the biggest, most diverse, most important team in history. It's a team with a global vision, a team where everyone has a place. It's a team whose victory is assured because we have a captain and our captain is the risen Lord Jesus uh, who is the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look back at what this looked like 2,000 years ago in this early church setting what it looked like for the gospel to bear fruit in their lives. Uh, But the exciting question this passage kind of puts before each of us today is what might it look like for the gospel to bear fruit and grow and flourish in my life? In our life, as a church together, across our network of churches, across the whole world, what role might I play in that great work? So let's dive in and see this gospel team at work. Uh, I reckon the first thing to notice is pretty obvious, but actually really important. Um, Do you notice that these are actually real people? (laughs) Sometimes you can read the Bible, right, and you kind of think of the characters in there as one-dimensional or not really real. Um, But these were real people with real names, real hopes, real fears and struggles and sins, they had families and jobs and houses and all the pressures of life like just like you. They had messy, complicated lives just like you. Um, the Bible is not full of these kind of static... St- oh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that's, that's just to keep us all awake. <laughs> yeah, well done. Uh, the, the Bible's not full of these one-dimensional static characters, all kind of super-Christians who just float above the ground, but... So um, just a a way to illustrate this, think about the character of Onesimus. We've mentioned him before a couple of weeks ago, but you saw him in verse 9. So verse 9, Onesimus was one of the people who brought this letter to the church. Um, If anyone was not at all one-dimensional, it was this guy. If anyone had a messy, complex history, it was this guy. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Um, He was a runaway slave from one of the members of the Colossian church, a guy named Philemon. He'd run away and, by God's grace, ran into Paul. Uh, He heard the news about Jesus. He became a Christian. Paul discipled him. um, And Paul sent him back to the church. Um, And and Not as a slave, though, this time, but as a faithful and dear brother, Paul says in in this passage. And can you imagine the nerves and fears of Onesimus as he carries this letter with him. Imagine what else he's carrying with him. All of that complexity. But the same Jesus who brings peace to the universe was bringing peace and order to Onesimus and Philemon, to their very real relationship. They're very real people. So they're real people and they're in real relationships. Do you notice all, all the way through here how vital relationships are to Paul's gospel ministry? Uh, In verse 7 and 8, 
he sends news about himself. He wants the church to know the details of his life. Uh, his second, or down in verse 9, uh, he wants them to know everything that's happening with him where he is. He sends his greetings. He wants them to know the real people who are invested in them and care about them. So he sends greetings from all these real people in other places. So verse 10, you've got um, his fellow prisoner Aristarchus, um, and so does Mark. Down in verse 11, Jesus, who's called Justice. I think that's probably just to avoid confusion. Um, uh, but Jesus, also called Justice, um, sends his greetings as well. You get this picture of these are real people in real relationships, people really invested in each other's lives, committed to one another. It's even more surprising, actually, I think, given the fact that Paul's never actually been to Colossae. Uh, if you remember that, um, we've sort of seen that along the way. He's, he, he didn't plant this church. He, he has no kind of, none of that direct relationship with them. But he is united to them in Christ, and they are partners in his mission in Christ, they are actually his family. That's another. Did you see that all the way through? The family language Paul uses to talk about all of these people. He calls them his, not just his brothers and sisters, but his dear brothers and sisters. I think it's helpful for us to reflect on this, friends. Uh, perhaps you want to be fruitful for God. And I hope you do. I hope you do. But maybe you don't know where to start. Sometimes we can answer that sort of question by jumping to some structured or organised role or some position, but that's not actually the heart of gospel ministry. The place to start is simply with building real relationships with real people, with real people. Um, so I reckon a helpful diagnosis question for each of us to ask ourselves coming out of today is, can I name some, some number, two or three can I, can I name some real people in my church family who I can honestly say are a dear brother or sister to me? Um, perhaps more important, another question to ask, am I the sort of person about whom others could honestly say, he encourages my heart? Uh, she, I know that she wrestles in prayer for me. I think it's one of the great um, joys and blessings of our church is that this is so evident here in so many ways. I see it again and again, real, everyday people in real gospel-centered relationships. Um, maybe that's not where you're at at the moment, though. Maybe you think that's not you. It might just be that you need time. Um, sort of time is important to start to build those kinds of relationships. You may be in a difficult season where you're just not able to build those kinds of relationships, where you kind of need to come late and leave early, and that's totally fine. We are just glad you're here and want you to keep healing and growing. Um, for some, though, for some, it may be that you're holding off from real relationships, not for those reasons, but more out of the pride of your own heart. Uh, perhaps you don't want to submit to the inconvenience or discipline or vulnerability know that you kind of have real relationships. Uh, perhaps, if you're honest, you know that you kind of have a bit of a consumer attitude to church. Uh, if you know that that's you, for the sake of Christ, 
and the building up of his body and the flourishing of his gospel in this place, please repent of that today. And in his strength, make it your aim to keep growing in real, committed relationships with the very real, actual people sitting around you in your church family. So real people in real relationships. But do you notice how Paul assumes all the way through that being part of this team is going to be hard work? Uh, you kind of you see that all the way through. So Tychicus in verse 7 um, is not just a fellow kind of friend. Uh, he's, a fe- what is he's a fellow servant in the Lord. Ver- uh, verse 11, Aristarchus, Mark and Jesus and uh, called Justice are called Paul's co-workers. Not just sort of people who hang out together. They're his co-workers. Um, verse 12, Epaphras, what is he doing? He is always wrestling in prayer for the Colossian Christians. Actually, I find that quite comforting. I don't know if you do. I think it's encouraging to hear that. He's a mature leader in the early church, someone who knew the Apostle Paul, but prayer wasn't an easy thing for him. It was something he wrestled in. Um, So there's not something wrong if you find prayer hard or something to wrestle at. Um, The key is to keep wrestling, keep going in God's strength. Um, skip down to verse 17. Paul sends a message to Archippus. See to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Now, we don't know uh, a lot about Archippus. Uh, he's mentioned in Philemon as a fellow soldier. Presumably, whatever ministry he had received, it was hard work for him. And possibly he was tempted at this point just to give it up. Maybe you've been in situations like that. But Paul urges him to persevere, to keep going, to complete what he started. So you get the picture that's being built here. Being on Jesus' team won't always be easy. There'll be pain and struggle. You'll face discouragements and disappointments. You'll need perseverance. And I reckon it's kind of tempting to think, I mean, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, like, why would you willingly make yourself uncomfortable? Why take on hard work? And the answer in Colossians all has to do with what that work is for. What that work is for. And this actually makes all the difference. It makes all the difference, friends. These, these Christians that we're reading of had a big vision. They had something that captivated them and compelled them on. Archippus hadn't just taken on his ministry because he thought it was a good thing for him to do. He had received it in the Lord. It was work done, given to him by his Lord, for his Lord. Uh, back in verse 11... These co-workers Paul talks about are co-workers for the kingdom of God. When the gospel came to these first believers, we saw this back in chapter 1, when it took root amongst them and grew and bore fruit in their lives. It wasn't just another kind of thing that they believed, just another add-on to their lives or another interesting philosophy about how to live a good life or something like that. It brought about a complete transformation 
of their identity, of who they were. They were now hidden in Christ, raised with him, seated with him in the heavenly places. They had a certain hope that when he returns, they too would appear with him in glory. That was the reason that they could work hard. They could persevere through discouragement or difficulty. They could give themselves to something bigger than themselves because by God's grace, they had been rescued into his wonderful kingdom and now had the joy of living for their Lord and working for the growth and flourishing of his kingdom. And you notice there were no sort of lone rangers here. There were no, it wasn't a solo kind of effort. They did this in partnership together. And that really, it actually kind of flows out of all of the other things that we've looked at. Um, if being a part of God's kingdom gives you good work to get on with, and if it makes you a part of a real, a family of real people in real relationships, then we do that work together. We do it in partnership. Um, and that means we all contribute to this work in a really wide and wonderful variety of ways, all in different ways. Uh, so Tychicus, and back in verse 7 and 8, he, he was one of Paul's travelling companions. He kind of comes up through Acts. Um, it seems like one of his main roles was being a delivery boy. You know, like uh, he, he, so he delivered letters. Like he was sent by Paul. He had more than that. He was encouraging and teaching of what Paul said as well. But he, he was sent around the, to these churches, taking letters from Paul to them. If he hadn't done that, we, we wouldn't have these letters in our Bible, these precious gifts from the Lord. Um, he was entrusted with this letter. He was also entrusted with the letter to the Ephesians. He's mentioned in Titus and 1 Timothy as someone Paul sent around to these different churches. Uh, look down at Epaphras, back in verse 12 and 13. Now, uh, if you remember, Epaphras, he had actually planted this church in Colossae. He'd brought the, the message of the gospel to them. He wasn't with them at the moment. He was with Paul. Um, but even though he wasn't with them, he was working hard for them. How was he doing that? Because he was wrestling in prayer for them. That was the way he was working hard for the gospel in this place. Through wrestling with some of the hardest workers for God's kingdom are those who aren't able to do very much at all, but who can pray, who wrestle with pr in prayer uh, for you, for us, for the growth of the gospel in this place. Uh, down in verse 15, Nympha, um, another fascinating character, probably a wealthy homeowner um, in uh, a part of another church in Laodicea, a nearby town. She was vital for the life and health of that nearby church. She was generous with her wealth and opened up her home to see uh, for the church to meet in. So you get the picture. All there's just all these little snapshots and teasers around of all these people working together in all kinds of ways for the growth of God's kingdom, to see His gospel continue to spread and bear fruit, and not just each in their own local patch too. The, the, God's, this kingdom is global, and so this partnership spreads out across these different churches. 
so th- there was a relationship between the Colossian church and the Laodicean church, and they, Paul says, uh, they, like they knew each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and verse 16, uh, they're sharing the, the, the letters from the apostles to one another. Again, this is really helpful for us to see, because we think about um, God's work in his world. Paul's ministry, it wasn't a one-man band. Uh, he was part of a gospel team where each member was working for Christ in all kinds of different ways. And that's a good model for us, for gospel ministry. It's something we try to facilitate with our own serving teams here at church. But whether you're on a team or not, we need each other. God works through his people, through everyday people like you and me, to see his word proclaimed and his kingdom built up and expanded. For most people, I think being on a team here is a good outworking of that. Um, some of us are unable to serve in that way, but you are still vital to us as a, in our church family. We need your presence and prayers as you're able to give them. Well, there's, there's so much gold here, isn't there? I hope we've just had a glimpse today of it's not something to just glaze your eyes over as these strange names and weird places are read out. This ending to Paul's letter gives us a wonderful glimpse into what the church looked like in those early years. It looked like real people in real relationships working hard for God's kingdom in partnership together. It's still the same today. But Paul doesn't want to finish his letter without drawing our eyes again to the reality that underlies all of that, that energizes all of that, the fuel for this gospel team. Without this fuel, you will run dry. And none of this could happen without it. Uh, Paul has taken, has had someone writing down his letter up to this point. He sort of had a, a scribe taking, uh, jotting down his letter for him. But at this point, as he finishes everything, he kind of grabs the stylus himself. Maybe he's struggling with the chains on his wrist. And he finishes the letter in his own hand. He says in verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. And his final words to them, grace be with you. It's not just a kind of thoughtless phrase that you just chuck out at the end of the letter. Um, Paul started his letter by wishing them grace and peace from God their Father. And he finishes his letter with grace as well. Grace captures this whole letter, um, the Father's undeserved kindness in sending his Son to die for sin to rise again and freely give fullness and forgiveness and hope to everyone who comes to him. Uh, If you're visiting perhaps today or maybe you've been here a while but you're not yet a Christian, God's grace is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian person. His offer to you in Christ that you can receive today his free gift, Paul's great desire. was Not only that this grace might, had, he was thankful that it had come to them and had taken root in their hearts, 
His great desire, though, was that this grace would sink deeper and deeper into them, keep transforming them. So these last verses are really, one way to think about these verses we're looking at today is really just the letter to the Colossians lived out. If you took everything in Colossians and put flesh on it, this is what it would look like. Lives gripped by Jesus, shaped by his grace, joined together, swept up in his great gospel message, each playing their part to see Jesus proclaimed. Uh, that's why Epaphras' prayer for the Colossians can be our prayer, our prayer for one another, for ourselves, that we would stand firm in God's will, which in Colossians, that is, that, that is the grace of the gospel. That's God's will, this gospel of grace. We would stand firm in it, mature in it, fully assured in it, praying that God would give us these kinds of relationships as we live our lives together in Christ. So join, join with me in praying that for yourselves. I'm going to lead us in a short prayer now. Uh, pray for this for yourself, for our church. Maybe you're visiting uh, and going back to a church. Pray that for your church family. Uh, for all of God's people, actually. Uh, I'm going to use, um, sort of, uh, take it, taken from Paul's own prayer for this church back in chapter 1. So let me finish by praying for us. Let's pray. We thank you, our God and Father, that the message of the gospel has come to us. By your Spirit, you have enabled us to put our faith in Jesus, to live in love for your people, to have a bright hope stored up for us in heaven. Uh, with your Apostle Paul, we pray that you would fill us, please, with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that your spirit gives. Help us, we pray. We know that we don't do this as we ought. Forgive us and help us to live lives worthy of our Lord Jesus, to bear fruit in every good work, to grow in our knowledge of you, our God. Strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might so that we might have great endurance and patience. So we give you joyful thanks, Father. You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of your holy people in the kingdom of light. You've rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and you have brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we thank you for this grace that is so rich and so free. We thank you for Jesus, who is our only hope in life and in death. And may this grace be with us and work in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.